0: Hello and welcome to Paddock Chat, a West Midlands group podcast created to keep local growers in the loop without having to leave the paddock. Each episode we delve into topics on the farming horizon and help you in the search for the answers needed to confidently navigate the future ahead. So let's dive into today's episode. In this episode, I sit down with Department of Primary Industry and Regional Development Research Scientist Justin Laycock to chat about the ways that satellite imagery is improving our understanding of ground cover and farm productivity. So it's time to settle in for an episode of Paddock Chat. The information provided in this podcast is general in nature and may not be wholly appropriate for your purposes or situation. We recommend that you seek appropriate professional advice before implementing actions based on the information provided in this podcast. And this episode was recorded in July of 2023. Thank you so much, Justin, for coming on the podcast today.
1: Uh, No, it's great. I'm uh, really quite excited.
0: So I'm going to dive into the first question, a bit more of a personal one. What brought you to your current position?
1: Well, I come from a farm. I grew up down Ravensthorpe. And... I've always enjoyed science. So I went to uni, did an ag science degree, and then from there I got a job at the Department of Primary Industries Regional Development. I've been here for well, more than 10 years now, and um, my job's been really great. It's, I've been doing soil surveys, so describing soils up at Kununara for expansion of irrigation. I've been involved with databases, and I've worked on wind erosion. And more recently, I've gone into using satellite imagery, which has been really quite an interesting uh, direction for me.
0: Yeah, right. And you were saying the other day that you get to do a few presentations. Is that, do you do quite a lot of those or is that kind of a more random occurrence? Uh,
1: I was quite lucky. I went up to the Darwin Source Science Conference a couple of weeks ago and yeah, presented this wind erosion work up there. And um, it was really quite interesting meeting a lot of other people in the field doing similar work.
0: Presenting in front of lots of people, that's sometimes really tough. That leads into our next question. So we're kind of covering ground cover imagery today. Where does this ground cover imagery come from, and how accurate is this data?
1: Well, there are a whole bunch of satellites orbiting the Earth, and a lot of people will be aware of the NDVI used for measuring the greenness or the amount of biomass in crops, and that's quite a useful thing that agronomists and farmers use on their paddocks. But these satellites, you can process the information lots of different ways. They don't actually capture a photo like you do with a camera. It's actually recording the intensity of wavelengths at different spectrums of light and into the near infrared and lots of other components of that. Now there are some very smart people on the other side of Australia in CSIRO and the Joint Remote Road Sensing Research Program and they are actually processing this Landsat satellite imagery and from that they're able to a ground cover product and that ground cover product is really quite useful and that's what I use. I'm actually able to go online, I can download it and it comprises of bare soil, green vegetation and dead vegetation. Now, with any sort of remotely sensed product, it's not a physical measure. It's always going to have a certain amount of inaccuracy or variability. And you could assume that any value that you look at on a map is going to be plus or minus 12. So if there's an estimate of 40% ground cover for an area, it could well be 52% or it could be 28.
0: So you're doing a lot of work with this technology. How are you actually using it in WA and, and looking at WA from a very high perspective.
1: Yeah, very high, that's true. The uh, Landsat satellite is actually 700 kilometres above us. So just give a bit of an idea of that, uh, how high it is. We've always had a target of 50% ground cover across arable land. And the idea is that 50% should be adequate to prevent wind erosion. It won't always stop wind erosion because things are quite variable and you probably need about 70% ground cover or more to stop water erosion. And if you have less than 50%, the chances of wind erosion increase and they start to increase exponentially. So the fact that we have satellite imagery allows us to get an estimate of ground cover across the whole arable landscape. Now I should also point out that this 50% target that we recommend is also the recommended biomass level for stock to maintain condition. So once ground cover drops below 50%, Stock are likely to lose condition unless they're being supplementary fed. So, that 50% target is quite a good one. Now that we have the satellite imagery, we can process it in a whole heap of different ways, but it actually it allows us to identify the erosion hazard. And I say hazard because wind erosion is actually made up of the amount of ground cover, is the soil loose and detached? So, is it erodible? And then obviously, you need wind. So, I'm just looking at the ground cover component as one component of hazard to make risk, and how much of a landscape has inadequate cover and therefore is susceptible to some form of erosion. So in the West Midlands, we've always known there's been an issue there. You've got these sandy soils that are prone to wind erosion and a lot of work has been done to try and reduce that risk. But the fact that we have this ground cover imagery and we have been able to process over time series from 1987 to present, and it has actually stood out as an area that has consistently had less than 50% ground cover in comparison to other landscapes. Actually, if you compare just the year of 2021 summer, so from December 21 to February 22, and we'll have a look at the landscape with less than 30% ground cover. So it falls into a quite a higher risk, higher hazard class for erosion. West Midlands actually had 50% of all the landscape in the whole of Arab land for Western Australia in the wheat belt it was actually in the West Midlands. So therefore we've kind of identified the West Midlands as a potentially problem landscape. It doesn't mean that wind erosion is going to occur, but it means there's a higher risk And that means really we need to start to target our resources to that landscape to try and potentially change management and identify issues that are causing erosion. And that's been one of the great things, the fact that us at DPIRD have been working with you at the West Midlands Group, particularly with Jeff Moore, who's worked with you guys, to identify some of these problems. And I think that's been a, a really good project with some good outcomes.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Now, I know there's quite a few different websites available. Have you kind of got any recommendations and how best to use them? And then if there's any limitations with the software available currently?
1: Yeah, so there are a whole lot of opportunities. Technology is just amazing. Now, one of the easiest things to do is to go on some of the web portals. And there's two that I recommend first up, and that would be this Geoglam Wrap, as well as the TerraCube option which you guys have actually created a YouTube clip. And so I highly recommend that people listening go onto that and they can watch that and get an idea of how to use that particular web portal. Now, the great thing about the portal is you can zoom into your property, you can add this ground cover imagery and you can look across your farm and find out which areas have less ground cover than other areas in theory. And you can also compare that to your neighbours and the wider landscape. The next thing you can do is you can scroll through time and have a look at how does this year compared to say five, 10 years ago, or maybe a similar season, because obviously season is a primary driver of ground cover. And it's just about getting an idea of what's happening on your property compared to people around and the variability within your paddock and farm. You could use something called veg machine, and that actually allows you to draw a, a shape around a paddock. And you can do that from a couple of paddocks side by side, and it will download a whole heap of information and create a bit of a graph for you to show how ground cover has changed through time and how two different paddocks might compare. If you're a bit more advanced and a bit more geeky like me, you could actually go on and download the imagery yourself and you could use GIS programs like QGIS and ArcGIS, GeoMedia or Python scripts and process this imagery in such a way to develop specific outputs, but that's getting a bit more high-tech
0: pretty handy to look at and then I guess if you've got as a, as a producer you've got good notes on seasons back and what you've done maybe stock wise if we're looking at, at more pasture-based systems you can then start to compare how different management practices on your farm have related to how it's then looked over the months on the satellite.
1: Yeah that's right and um, it's one of these things where you look back and you think that things were so much better or maybe so much worse than they were in the past and you think maybe now I'm doing really well or really bad. And it gives you that opportunity to go on and actually have a look and confirm your suspicions.
0: Yeah, I'm just thinking now as well that you could also, maybe if you've just recently purchased a farm, it might be good to then look back and, and look at the history of that that bit of land and how that's travelled before you owned it. And, you know, if you have made any progress maybe with ground cover and, and biomass.
1: Yes, that, that's true. And in particular, if you think there might be some sort of constraint to production. You could potentially identify certain parts of the farm which seem to be consistently underperforming. Maybe you need to target some soil sampling. And and I would suggest dig a hole, take some measurements deeper down. Is there some subsoil acidity, which is potentially cutting off your roots and restricting production? And hopefully, in the end, we all have a higher biomass, higher production crops and more profitable.
0: Mm, And finding those problems maybe a bit earlier than if you you hadn't looked. Okay, so That's kind of where the tech is currently. Where do you think this tech is going? Will it become more precise or easier to use? And do these technologies get frequently updated?
1: Yeah. So, first of all, updated, yeah. Recently, we've had a a new version. Version 3 has been released. Now, the original product was set up with using roughly a 1,000 sites across all of Australia to develop a a ground cover product, and, and that's great that we've had something since then People have gone out and sampled all across the landscape. Our project has done part of that, and we've done a few sites in the West Midlands and with you guys and your project. And all this extra information has developed over 4,000 sites, which have led to a more precise estimate of ground cover. So that's great. And as we go out and we collect more samples, the product will get better over time. There are also other satellites up there, such as Sentinel, and CSIRO have developed a monthly product. So one of the issues with the satellite product is it passes over the landscape every 16 days and it covers over in a swath. It doesn't do the whole wheat belt in one pass. So if you want to get complete coverage, you have to combine multiple swaths of imagery. Now, if you have cloud, that will restrict what is visible. So therefore, you have these big holes in your data set. And so you have to use older data to create a full map. And then there may well be inaccuracies in any value that's measured by a satellite. So you're better off using multiple dates to create a median value. Now, the use of Sentinel is quite good in that you add Sentinel and Landsat together, you get more data, and therefore they've just created a monthly ground cover product. So at the moment you have three different options. You can either use a single pass of the satellite to see what's potentially happening at the moment. You've got a monthly product, or there is a seasonal product, which is a season. Summer is December, January, and February, and you've got autumn, winter, and spring. Now, those seasonal products is what I typically use because I'm not interested in the maybe absolute maximum, absolute minimum ground cover. I'm more interested in a more reliable value for making any of our assessments.
0: Is there any tech that overlays kind of satellite with soil type or climate? And would that be helpful?
1: The veg machine product, which allows you to draw the shape around your paddock and download the data, that actually brings in the rainfall data as well. So therefore you can see I've had a wet year and here is my ground cover. And so you'd see a spike in the amount of ground cover, whereas here was a dry season and you have a decline in ground cover. So that particular product is quite useful for that point of view. I'm not aware immediately of a product which has the ground cover imagery and soils, but we do have the NR Info, which is our web portal to share all our soil and landscape information. And that has essentially a best guess or most probable soils across the landscape. But when it comes to the farm scale, I'm pretty sure that most growers know the soils across their farm and hence that may explain the variability in cover on their property.
0: If farmers are looking at this data, what are some questions that they should then be asking themselves based on that data? Like is there any sort of numbers they should set as boundaries for what they should be aiming for? Other than I know you said, talked about the 50% ground cover. Is there anything else you can think of that would be, you know, something they should think about when they're looking at this?
1: So, yes, 50% is the primary target that I'm advising for or we advise for for prevention of wind erosion. We recommend to have at least 70% to prevent water erosion. But if you're on quite a steep slope and there's going to be accumulation of water in that landscape, you probably possibly want more ground cover, maybe 90 or even 100% ground cover. If you have a very rocky soil or gravelly soil, which I know the West Midlands does have quite a lot of gravelly soils, they are obviously less susceptible to wind erosion. So in theory, you could probably have less than 50% ground cover and the chances of wind erosion are a lot less. However, again, 50% is what's required for grazing in terms of maintaining stock condition. From a accumulation of soil carbon, the more ground cover you have, the greater the chance of increasing overall soil carbon.
0: I'll jump into the final satellite question. So there's a huge jump from satellite to drone to being on the ground. How do you see this gap being closed so farmers have more faith in the tech?
1: It's a very good question, and it's a bit outside my expertise area, but I do know there are various projects using uh, drones and correlating that with satellite imagery, and that's been done across Australia, particularly in Queensland, where, as I mentioned, the Joint Remote Sensing Research Program and some of those experts are located also from Generally, from our perspective, I'm interested more in the greater landscape rather than the paddock level. So there are probably a lot of private entities out there doing that sort of ground cover and vegetation analysis at the finer scale. But as the technology improves, drone imagery will be a useful addition to any sort of ground cover assessment.
0: Mm, tech is moving so fast that it'll be interesting to see where that goes.
1: It's uh very hard to keep up with.
0: I can imagine. West Midlands Group has been involved in a project with Deep Herd. Can you talk a little bit about the findings from that?
1: So the work that Jeff Moore did uh, over the last couple of years has been really interesting in the fact that it had identified that the local grasshoppers were an issue and those who controlled grasshoppers had better ground cover than those who did not. So the importance of identifying and controlling your pests and diseases is obviously a critical factor in maintaining ground cover and improving the amount of ground cover that you do have. Then there are other factors identified such as the seed bank and the fact that we've had false breaks uh, and a couple of dry seasons, there was just less seed in the soil. A few recommendations from that was to reseed a lot of your pastures and particularly adopting some of the new varieties, which are a lot more productive in this environment, as well as looking at your soil and is there some sort of deficiency because sandy soils are notorious for being deficient in certain nutrients. And so just looking at that and making sure there's no other constraints to production. And then the final factor is just really general management and uh, trying to overcome. So there are other factors such as overgrazing or is there a water repellency issue and potentially looking at mobile plowing or soil inversion as a way to uh, overcome that issue. But when I say soil inversion, please think about your timing. Don't do it if the soil is dry and then uh, ensure there's going to be rain to follow up. Immediately plant a crop so that it can germinate and protect that soil.
0: So my final question is, what keeps you interested in agriculture?
1: Uh, Well, the fact that I am from a farm and I go home to the farm every so often and just keeps me in touch with what's actually going on on the ground. But also the scientific and the the technology in agriculture is really quite interesting. And also the fact that my job has been so variable, the fact that I have got to do a lot of different things has kept me interested in my role here at the department and allow me to explore lots of different things in agriculture and particularly the sustainability of agriculture.
0: Fantastic. That's really good to hear. Well, thank you very much, Justin, for joining us today.
1: Oh, it's been great. I've really enjoyed it.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. Our members are an essential part of why we do what we do. For more information, including how to become a member, visit our website where you can sign up at any time. Links can be found in the show notes. See you next time for some more paddock chat. Local knowledge from a paddock near you.